What's this sound? unscrewing a lid off of a mason jar and then screwing it back on. Hello everybody and welcome to Starting Sustainability. This is episode 124. I'm your host, Kaylin Chenoweth. Let's catch up. Today for lunch, I ate a salad I grew from my garden. <laughs> Everybody's like, really Kaylin, that's your catch up? giving us an update on what you ate for lunch, but I'm so excited because it came from my garden. I grew the lettuce and the cucumbers and the cherry tomatoes, and that is super cool in my eyes. That was a lot of work. <laughs> I also added in some stuff from the store, like carrot, celery, bell pepper, nuts. I don't quite have the skill set to get all of those going, but I am still super stoked about my tiny little accomplishment. And if you're new to gardening, you would also be super excited. And if you're an expert at gardening, I'm sure you had excited moments just like this. Something else I've been up to lately is I started reading Where the Crawdads Sing. There's a movie coming out soon and I wanted to read the book first because now that we have family close by, we actually have babysitters for a date night. <laughs> and the last one we saw Top Gun Maverick and that was like our first movie in four years. And I am so excited to go see another movie and this one is going to be it. <laughs> The book itself is very, very good. And it's also quite fascinating because it's about a girl who grows up in the marsh and she, basically her family abandons her and she grows up on her own. And it's very interesting to see how she taught herself how to live off the land and to survive. It's literally something that I'm aiming to do to become as self-sufficient as possible. And he or she is doing it as a 10-year-old. I do understand it's a fictional book, but hey, it's still a goal of mine, and I definitely think it's achievable. Next date night, we're going to go see this movie. Well, it's either that or it's going to be going to test drive new vehicles, new to us vehicles, because Channing's truck basically went kaput right before our vacation, and it is still in the shop four weeks later because they're waiting on one last part, the manifold. I don't even know what that is, but they're waiting on that to arrive, and they have no idea when that's going to be. The good news is our warranty is covering a good chunk of the repairs and even covers a rental car. But we are on a long list for a rental car because there are none available. It has made coordinating going to work and child schedules super exhausting. Somehow I just never realized it, but because travel stopped during the pandemic, the rental car companies sold their rental cars in order to keep the business afloat. And it made sense at the time because there was a massive car shortage, so they sold their cars. <laughs> but now that travel has picked up again, there are no rental cars, and the businesses can't even buy more rental cars. They can't restock their fleet. And it's the same issue that's going on with planes and flights. During the pandemic, many of the airlines encouraged their senior pilots and staff to retire or take early retirement in order to save money and cut expenses. And now that travel has picked up again, there are more than 12,000 
pilot job openings across all the airlines. And that's why flying is such a hot mess right now. Back to our weekend adventures. We had crazy weekends, two weekends in a row, jam-packed. So two weekends ago, we painted the mustard yellow basement, a nice calm gray color. The hallway that was an avocado green became a nice bluish green gray. It's a very light, very like neutral, natural color. And the guest bathroom also became a very light whitish gray. It almost looks white until you hold up a white sheet of paper and then you go, oh, there's a gray tint to that. So everything is calm and relaxing now. No more wild, crazy 70 colors. Yay! <laughs> that was a lot of work, but very therapeutic and effective. I didn't realize how tense I was when I would walk down the basement stairs and have these yellow walls screaming at me. And now that they're gray, it's like a very soothing, calming atmosphere to walk into. That's where I want to go at the end of a long day. Don't worry for those of you who are concerned. I'm aware that I am pregnant and that I should not be painting. I did the taping. I would like tape the edges of the trim and the walls and stuff. So I'd be taping in one room and Channing would paint in the other room. And don't worry, the weather was cooler. We had all the windows open and the fans going, so it was very aired out. I stayed away from the strong concentration of fumes. We did it safely. In between the paint jobs, we forged mulberries because we have like four different mulberry trees on our property and they are just booming with berries. And those things are so sweet and so delicious. I made a batch of mulberry syrup and ate them on my waffles in the morning. And that recipe turned out to be super sweet. So I made adjustments, made a second batch, cut the sugar in half, <laughs> and then it was perfectly delicious. I put it in my yogurt to sweeten it up. That was really good. Put it in lemonade, made like a mulberry lemonade. That was delicious. It's great. It's wonderful. I also forage slash harvested, I guess, whichever you want to call it, blackberries from bushes on our property. I didn't quite have enough to make blackberry jam, so I mixed it with mulberries and made a jam with the two berries together. Oh, man. <laughs> that is now my new favorite jam. That's literally my jam. It is so good. Our son Corvin, who's four, asked for jam on bread every single meal for the next three meals. That's all he wanted was a peanut butter and jelly with that jam. <laughs> this past weekend was the 4th of July and I hope everybody had a great time and still has all of their fingers and eyebrows. On Saturday, we finished unpacking the garage. All of the boxes have been unpacked. Well, except for three that contain books and board games for a bookshelf that we're going to buy at some point in time. Just haven't done it yet. But other than that, the garage has been found. I can park my car in there on rainy days or in a few months when the weather gets cold. And then on Sunday, we hosted a small get together with family. Well, <laughs> it was supposed to be four people. And then, then we're like, oh, but we should also invite this and that family and this person over here. And all of a sudden it became like 15 people, which was the largest amount of people we've ever had over in our 10 year existence as a couple. We've never hosted anything that large. I didn't quite have enough plates for the amount of people that showed up. So we used all of our own actual plates. And then we did have to dip into a few paper plates, which are the ones that I keep on hand for whenever we're moving <laughs> or in case of a power outage. But otherwise we did it as sustainably as possible. We had the real tablecloths, cloth napkins, real cutlery, and real plates, plus about six paper plates. Overall, it was great. 
But Channing and I decided that we're not going to do that again for quite some time because it was a lot of work. It was great fun at the same time, but a lot of work. So whenever you go to a big shindig, make sure you thank your host for hosting and bring them a gift or offer to the dishes afterwards. Whatever is easiest for you. And now for some ridiculous news. I was reading along and this headline popped up and I just thought this was absolutely crazy. New Zealand is going to charge their farmers for the methane that their cattle produce. Yes, that is right. There will now be a tax on burps and farts or toots, whatever you wanna call them. I just thought that was absolutely hilarious. And I have no idea how they're even going to measure the amount of burps and toots that their cattle produce, but they will be taxing them in an effort to reduce climate change, which I applaud, but just don't quite understand. It just, <laughs> it just makes me laugh. It's really ridiculous. And before we get on to the main topic, I do want to briefly touch on Plastic Free July. That's right, it is July. <laughs> <laughs> and so for the whole month of July, I want everybody to join in on the Plastic Free Challenge. You just have to do as much as you can. You don't have to be completely zero plastic for the entire month. I mean, you can be. It's just going to be a lot harder, but at least make a few changes. This is the time that we as Sustainer Nation and all eco-focused individuals come together. I cannot take credit for Plastic Free July Somebody else started that a few years ago. We're just jumping on the bandwagon and promoting it. If you need some tips or ideas on what you can do to incorporate a plastic-free lifestyle, join in and follow along the Starting Sustainability Instagram or Facebook group for tips. Tori, our marketing specialist, is back after maternity leave and is doing a great job of leading the group with wonderful plastic-free July tips. Thank you, Tori. There are many farmers in my neck of the woods and I love to support them. In terms of sustainability, it is best to not support factory farming. Small local farms are the best, but not big factory farms. You can do this many ways and the most effective and most challenging is to go vegan. I, however, am a huge milk drinker and cannot give it up. Look, I don't drink alcohol, soda, or caffeine of any kind. That rules out coffee and tea too. I also don't drink fake crap like Kool-Aid. I literally only drink water, milk, and 100% juice, a small amount of juice at breakfast, and have an occasional treat with lemonade and Gatorade on a hot, sweaty day. I will proudly say that I grew up drinking milk, and that of the eight children my parents raised on milk, not one of us has ever broken a bone. Knock on wood. Don't want to jinx that right now. That'd be really bad. Overall, that's really pretty cool. And yes, as children, we are wild and adventurous, for sure. There are many times that a bone should have been broken, but it didn't happen. So if you are like me, and it's too hard to give up milk, cheese, yogurt, then let's buy and consume responsibly. First, reduce the amount of consumption. I cut milk back from three glasses a day to one, sometimes two, especially if we're getting near the end of the expiration date on the carton, then I kind of have to <laughs> incorporate more and use it all up, not waste it. I also minimize cheese and yogurt consumption. When I do buy it, I try to support local as much as possible. And therein lies another challenge because the farmer's markets are limited. Around here, they're just in the summer. They're only on Saturday mornings. And to be honest, I haven't even been to the farmer's market here in the new town that we just moved to. I did go to the farmer's market at the old place. And when I did go, it was pretty much just cheese. That's all that I could find. You couldn't find milk or yogurt. 
I have made yogurt from scratch in the past. That's honestly something that I need to return to doing. It was a lot of work because I did it with a crock pot. So it was an all night thing. But now that I have an Instapot, it should be a much quicker process. I just haven't done it yet. So that has now been added to my list of things to do. <laughs> when it comes to dairy, another topic of debate is RBGH. What the heck is that, do you ask? <laughs> well, that is what today's episode is about. Recumbent bovine growth hormone, RBGH, also known as recumbent bovine somatotropin, RBST. They're both just basically the same thing. It's a synthetic growth hormone used to increase milk production in cows. This synthetic hormone was created by Monsanto, an agricultural biotech company. Boo. We hate Monsanto. <laughs> and it has been available since 1993, so almost 30 years. Okay, let me go back to Monsanto. There's a lot to say about Monsanto, and most of it is really bad. If you're unfamiliar with Monsanto, the quick version is they are a massive agricultural biotech company who genetically modified crops. At first, this was great. For example, you would have a train full of tomatoes, and by the time it traveled from California to Indiana, a lot of the tomatoes would get smashed and squished and were unsellable. Wasted food. So tomatoes were genetically modified to be tougher and survive the transport. Also, a Honeycrisp apple, that's America's favorite apple, is not natural. It's a genetically modified organism, GMO. It's from two other apples that have been cross-pollinated. And yes, this can happen naturally with pollinators traveling from different apple trees and cross-pollinating on their own. But the Honeycrisp had human help and was designed and marketed. Then Monsanto started taking GMOs a bit further, incorporating Roundup into their genetics to reduce the need for pesticides. What are the long-term effects of humans consuming Roundup and GMOs? That's unknown. It's been tied up in legal litigation for years. Monsanto has not only been criticized by environmental activists who question the safety of GMOs and pesticides, but also by academics who say the company has unfairly swayed science and by farmers who claim to have been hurt by the company's tight control of the genetically modified seed supply. Yes, there were many shady scandals. For example, I heard a story of different farmers will say there's two fields beside each other, which is common in farming communities. In fact, there's many fields all beside each other, but we'll just say for our example, there's two. One farmer purchased Monsanto GMO seed and the other did not. The crops would grow and pollinators would come in and pollinate. And at harvest time, Monsanto would send out scientists to test the other farmer's crops. And because the bees and other natural pollinators don't know where the property lines are, there would be some cross between the two fields. Monsanto would then sue the other farmer for producing GMO crops, even though it was unintentionally and really out of their control. And of course, this is a big corporation versus a small farmer and then the farmer got hosed. And that is one example. There are many, many more horrifying stories. But for the sake of time, we shall move on. <laughs> the good news is, back in 2018, Monsanto was bought out by Bayer, and Bayer is actively working to clean up its bad reputation. So only time will tell on that one. Back to RBGH. At first, it had a desired effect, increasing milk supply by 30%, and at the same time reducing the volume needed for cattle, feed, water, and land, giving a very strong sustainability factor. However, over time, unwanted side effects in dairy cows and humans started to emerge. 
in cows treated with RBGH, significant health problems often develop, including over a 25% increase in the frequency of udder infections, also known as mastitis. If anyone here has ever breastfed and endured mastitis, you're cringing right now just at the thought of it because it is painful. Increased infections result in increased antibiotic use and therefore promotes the development of antibiotic-resistant bacteria, aka superbugs. Other health issues include a 50% increased risk of lameness, which is leg and hoof problems. I wasn't really quite sure what lameness was, so I looked it up. Lameness in cattle is a condition stemming from pain in one or more limbs, usually legs or feet hooves, which affects not only how the animal moves, but their productivity as well. Often the animal does not eat or drink well due to the pain. Lameness is a big animal welfare issue. And lastly, there is a major concern for serious animal reproductive problems, such as infertility, cystic ovaries, fetal loss, and birth defects. For humans who consume the milk from the cow that has been given all these hormones, there is question on whether the hormones transfer into the human and if there are any side effects from that. Overall, the results are inconclusive. This means some studies found links between use of RBGH in dairy to human health issues like tumor development and prostate, breast, colon, and other cancers. However, these results are not consistent nor easily duplicated with additional studies. That's why it's inconclusive. RBGH has been used in the United States since it was approved by the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, back in 1993, almost 30 years ago. But it is not permitted in the European Union, Canada, Japan, and some other countries. In terms of food science, there are many things that we allow here in the U.S. that are banned in other countries. And basically, it all boils down to politics and who you know and what you can get approved. And it's a very disgusting thing. Big companies like Monsanto hire a lot of flashy lawyers to go through and talk to all the politicians on what they will approve or not approve. And it is incredibly infuriating. Moving on to happier thoughts. Who here likes Ben and Jerry's ice cream? Well, you're about to love them even more. Back in 1989, which is four years before the RBGH hormone was even available on the market, Ben and Jerry's had a highly visible campaign against the growth hormone, which really pissed off Monsanto because it ruined their marketing campaign on how great and wonderful this hormone was because Ben and Jerry's went to the media first and gave them their side of the story on why this was so horrible. So then here comes Monsanto and, and they didn't come out looking very pretty. Like I said earlier, today RBGH is still legal in the United States, even though it's not in many other places. But what's really cool is that there is a strong consumer demand for RBGH-free products. In addition to organic dairy products, where RBGH is not allowed, some other companies have taken a pledge to source RBGH-free milk for their products. And this includes Dannon, Briars, Prairie Farms, YoPlay, and of course, Ben & Jerry's. 
I just named some national brands that I know most people recognize. However, there is a link that I will put in the description of this episode. So when you go to play this episode, the link will be there. It's from centerforfoodsafety.org. And it's a long list of all of the RBGH free dairy products and brands, making it easy for you to find some of these products in your grocery store or wherever it is that you shop. So remember, in terms of dairy, to be sustainable is to go vegan. (laughs) If you're able to, if you're not, that's okay. Then we want to reduce consumption and make smart choices when we are buying. Remember, every time that you make a purchase, you are literally casting a vote with your dollar. So by purchasing RBGH free dairy, you are supporting farmers who choose a more natural way of dairying their cows. And you are letting it be known to big companies that you as a consumer want RBGH free dairy products. The sources I used to gather all the information for this episode came from cancer.org with an article titled Recombinant Bovine Growth Hormone. Also, earth911.com had an RBGH free dairy article, the Washington Post, and centerforfoodsafety.org. That is all for today's episode. So we're going to draw a challenge for you. New challenge card says, make sure that you're recycling as much as you can. Paper, metal, and glass are all widely recyclable, as are some forms of plastic. I think that's very important to note that you can truly recycle paper, metal, and glass, but you have to learn what your local recycling company can and cannot take in terms of plastic. Many of us, me included, are guilty of what we call wish cycling. I didn't even know it was a thing until I realized I was doing it. (laughs) Where we find things like plastic water bottles, laundry detergent jugs or whatever, and we put them in the recycling, that's plastic. And I wish this would get recycled and you stick it in the recycling bin and then they come and collect it and it turns out it cannot be recycled. So you have to do your research for your local area. There is not a broad blanket guideline other than paper, metal, and glass. Those are almost always recyclable. But in terms of plastic, you've really got to find out what your local facility can and cannot handle. The next episode will be on July 25th. And we're going to cover the topic of why smart people make bad choices. I'll give you a hint. It has something to do with excellent marketing. (laughs) Sustainer Nation, it has been great as always. I hope you continue to have a wonderful rest of your summer vacation and continue to save the world. Have a great one. Bye. Welcome to the Realistic Sustainability Podcast, a guide to greening your life. Each week, we will explore sustainability concepts and what we can do to reduce our family's carbon footprint while growing our positive footprint. This show supports step-by-step progress without those extreme jump-all-in measures. So join us on Anchor or your favorite podcast platform and subscribe today.